It would be useful if you actually warned me in advance what compound we're going to do. I tried to, but you were busy texting. You didn't. I tried to, but you when were busy texting. did you texting. tell me? I told you and you were like, I, know, I was like, hey, Dave. The last thing you said to me was, we don't have any drugs in the news this week. And I then did. you went and dropped one. Well, well, I did tell you about the Amazon well, story. Yes. And then I told you, you I was like, and then I was like, and then we'll talk about trend. And you were like, this is exactly what Dave said. He was like, uh-huh. Mm, yeah, yeah, great. Jolly good. Cheerio. That's what he said. Those are exact words. You will burn in hell, Scott, for your blasphemous <laughs> actions of the day. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, guys? This week on Drugs and Stuff, we start out with steroids in the news. Is Amazon selling illegal drugs? After that, we go to our steroid profile of the week. This week, we're going to discuss Trenbolone. After that, we've got listener questions. We're going to talk about strength gains from Primo. Injectable M-Tren. Can you take L-carnitine subcutaneously? Health ramifications of FL-Modafinil. And long versus short esters for cutting. All of that and much more. We're going to do that right now here on Drugs and Stuff. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. Our programming is all brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. You can use our code advices for some additional savings. Dave, we got a plethora of, uh, of comments on the last episode because people want to bring this T-shirt to life. And you know what, man? As much as I love the idea, T-shirts are a pain in the ass to make. You know that? How many fake accounts have you set up? 37, but that's besides the point. <laughs> the thing is i can actually believe you setting up 37 accounts just to piss me off i want the t-shirt because i you realize how long that would take and i'd have to make up all sorts of fake emails on top of that i don't have that kind of time dave i'm spending all that time here with you there's no way there's no way but you don't have any friends scott so i'm the only me and scott are the only friends you've got so you've thanks. got loads of time thanks See, this is what I put up with every week, guys. Guys, we do appreciate all the feedback that you gave us. Um, I'm going to go back through and count those up because between the YouTube feed, between our Facebook group, the Advices Radio private Facebook group, which you haven't joined there, please do. Um, and between like just all the messages that I've gotten everywhere. So it's 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 gone almost viral. Uh, and uh, got almost viral. Almost. Oh. 40 or 40 comments. <laughs> hey, that was like every one of our listeners of, of 41 people. That's true. That's, that's most of our listeners commenting twice, actually. Yeah. yeah. Great. Exactly. So thank you guys for that. And uh, listen, if you guys enjoy this show, do me a favor. Hit the like button if you haven't subscribed yet. We have several programs coming out each week, including good programs. Like this is OK. You know, this will get you through your day. But we actually have good shows, too, that Dave and I aren't on. So you could tune into those. <laughs> You get a lot better of a quality program, but we'll 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 bridge the gap until you get to those. How's that sound, Dave? We we provide the the the, the cheap and cheerful end of the market to the channel. <laughs> We're not the quality. We're the filler. We're the filler here. Formal fact. Yes. All right. So listen, we have uh, a bunch of stuff going on today. I wanted to do a steroid review. We'll talk about Trenbolone today. One of the most powerful steroids there is. One of the most, I think, uh, popular steroids too. We have a, I'm going to use my same word again, a plethora of listener questions. Uh, if you guys want to ask any questions here on the feed, feel free. And uh, we'll start out today with a very brief little story that we like to call Steroids in the news. What we've got today is um, a story here that I pulled from Roidvisor. Now, these guys actually are a legitimate website that uh, they they promote they all sorts of information about steroids and stuff, and they're kind of fun. They do something we like to do, which is put up news stories. There hasn't been a lot of steroids in the news lately. I saw like a rugby player. Uh, who tested positive, but rugby is not even a real sport. We don't do that in the U.S., so I figured we wouldn't talk about that. Um, That's why. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to offend me, so it doesn't worry me. You might have offended the whole Scottish and Welsh nation, <laughs> but you haven't offended me. I'm, I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding, kidding, kidding. But He's not. 
Dave, thanks. You're trying to turn He's people against himself. me. I have the, the slide up here. So the story is uh, that Amazon has been selling illegal injectable peptides. I've seen this stuff. Hell, dude, I've even seen this stuff on like Facebook Marketplace. They're selling shit left and right now. Uh, you know, basically like research purposes or, you know, whatever else. I feel like peptides have gone mainstream at this point. It's it's really weird because I'm assuming that the state law is very similar to the UK law in where there's these, these compounds are for research purposes only. Yeah. And everybody seems to think that if you put not for human consumption for research purposes only, that that disclaimer absolves you from any responsibility as to who you sell these to. And legally, it's not the case. Now, we do have legislation to cover that in the UK. Um, you can ask me what it is, and I can't fucking remember. <laughs> oh, God. It's under the Novel Foods Act, but I can't remember exactly what the, the legislation is. Novel Foods. Um, the problem we have is that who's responsible for enforcing this act is a little bit confused. Mm-hmm. So we have partly trading standards, um, partly food regulatory authorities, uh, and partly the National Food Crime Agency. But the National Food Crime Agency has no authority whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to be getting it, and it's their job remit to handle and research and collate all the facts and evidence involving the sale of stuff like peptides, SARMs, DMP, anything that's sort of escapes current law classification tends to fall under Novel Food Act. Okay. Um, but, like I said, loads, because they are so under... What on earth is that, Mug? Oh, Dave's the dead. Yeah, is that all right? Is that acceptable by you, Dave? Yeah. Uh, that is acceptable, yes. Okay, thank you. Carry on, good, then. Good size as well. Good yeah, a lot of coffee in there. Uh, I just pounded a yeah, lot of coffee just to keep up with you. Good, good. I want to stay awake while you're talking. That's a rarity. You don't usually. Um, so it's it's very poorly enforced in the UK. They are there's a few people kicking and screaming that they need new registration, they need new powers, they need something to to push this forward. Yeah. But at the present, um, it's sort of falling on deaf ears because really, I suppose in the grand scheme of things, there's more important drugs to deal with. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, because a lot of these drugs are research drugs, the, the evidence behind them about whether they're harmful or not isn't really established because they haven't been researched enough. Here, you, you want to hear something really, really fun here. So uh, currently, uh, Azoth, uh, who's sponsored us, they were kicked off of Amazon because some of the uh, nootropics that they had were considered to be like mildly questionable that they're potentially mm -hmm. down the road going to have different legislation put in place but there was nothing solid these things were totally legal to sell and that they got kicked off of amazon for a period of time with their their like their flagship product as off 2.0 um which it, it's all legal stuff it's funny that they could get kicked off at amazon while you're able to go there and buy experimental peptides which you know are totally against the law it does seem to be very much whoever inputs that product on that day is what their basic knowledge is as to whether it gets flagged up or not or whether somebody complains. Yeah. I suppose one of the problems is with, with like pets is people only go looking for peptides if they're looking for peptides. Mm -hmm. Where brain stimulants oh. could potentially attract people from who are quite normal. So yeah. they look at that and they go, ooh, ooh that's, that's a bit dodgy. That shouldn't be sold. Yeah. Whereas most people buying peptides know what peptides are and where they come from and how they operate and everything else. So they just keep their mouth shut because they're just glad they've found them. Yeah. So, so I, th I think it depends on the, 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 the way the product's described and, and how that links it into search engines as to how people may bring complaints up against certain products and not other products. I'm having an idea here. Guys, uh, go to our new uh, Amazon uh, <clears throat> store called Dave and Scott's Peptide Emporium. And you can buy all the BPC and CJC and all the other stuff you want. Maybe a DNP even. I don't know. Can we carry DNP? We have a, we, on yeah, we have a new peptide called Trend. 
called Tren. Tren. It was with two N's? Yeah. It's with two E's and two N's. <laughs> Tren. Yeah, different than Tren. Yeah. Tren. Yeah. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just spelled differently. <laughs> I like that, guys. I like that. Uh, we're going to put that together, guys, so stay tuned. I think that was a great segue, though, because uh, we wanted to do a profile today on not trend, but actual trend, trembolone, trembolone acetate, uh, trembolone hex, trembolone uh, E, just basically trend. It would be useful if you actually warned me in advance what compound we're going to do. I tried to, but you were busy texting. No, you didn't. I tried to, but you were busy texting. Tell me. I told you, and you were like, I was the like, last hey, Dave. thing you said to me was, we don't have any drugs in the news this week. And I then did. you went and dropped one. Well, well, I did tell you about the Amazon well, story. Yes. And then I told you, you I was like, and then I was like, and then we'll talk about trend. And you were like, this is exactly what Dave said. He was like, uh-huh. Mm, yeah, yeah, great. Jolly good. Cheerio. That's what he said. Those are exact words. You will burn in hell, Scott, for your blasphemous <laughs> actions of the day. Let me ask you then, Dave. Do you not know about Trend? I mean, it's okay if you don't, because I can tell you some things about it. Well, you can tell me about it, because I only know a little bit. You only know a little bit? Well, I know yeah, that it's, it's like, yellow. It generally can be considered yellow. Yes, that's a start, isn't it? I'll tell you what. Oh, we just had a question come up. Uh, please tell people why Tren should not be used. Oh, this is a good question uh, for their first uh, cycle uh, or for inexperienced users. He says he, he keeps uh, meeting lads. He must be a UK guy. He's meeting lads um, who's just joined the gym and that they're on 600 milligrams that, of Tren E. Is that, is that legal to meet lads? I don't know. Listen, I don't, only, I don't even know what that means. There better be lads less than six because, well, five, including yourself, because you can't meet in any more groups bigger than six now. Oh. So it might be a small number of lads. Don't have big numbers of lads. You'll get in trouble. Well, here's the okay. deal, man. I do okay. think I do think that trend is uh, it's it's very overhyped. It's very overused. I think that it's probably in, in just real world experience steroids that people use on a regular basis it's probably i'm going to say the one that causes the most issues yeah um it is powerful and it is potentially the most powerful steroid we use it has the bind highest binding affinity of all the steroids we use uh, so for those that don't understand what binding affinity is it's the compound's ability to engage with the receptor mm. in fact Tren is that good at engaging with receptors. It doesn't just engage with androgen receptors. It engages with estrogen receptors. It engages with progesterone receptors. It engages with cannabinoid receptors. In fact, it engages with a whole host of different receptors. And part of that is why it is so impacting on both our physical and mental health. Yeah. Um, because it has this very broad spectrum ability to, to trigger and engage various receptors in the body that it really shouldn't be be able to do um it's it's people regard it as a veterinary compound it isn't it isn't it was released for humans uh by a french company in a drug trembolone hex known as parabolin which were 70 milligrams 76 milligrams per mil yeah um Parabolin was withdrawn off the market, I believe, in the 80s, the okay. early 80s. It may, it may have been the late 70s. Somebody will correct me, I'm sure, if I'm wrong. See, this is why you need to tell me beforehand, because I can get these little bits right. Oh. Uh, but there was never an explanation as to why they withdrew it. Hmm. It was just pulled off the marketplace. Um, there's so much with Trenny, it's difficult to, to sort of know where to start. I mean, when we look at its anabolic to androgenic ratio, it's 500 to 500. As comparison test is 100 to 100. Yeah. Um, it is a powerful compound. It does have fat-burning capabilities. It does have the ability to alter your 
thyroxine production and particularly your conversion of T4 to T3. Mm. Uh, it has an impact on insulin levels. It can cause you to go hypoglycemic. Um, it reacts in the pancreas, disrupting um, liver bile uh, and, and stomach, which can cause gastro issues. We've gotten all these things. Um, it can agitate. It can agitate the lungs. Uh, yeah. It can cause a, now. People often confuse this as well. There's a side effect of trend known as trend cough. Trend cough is a constant, a persistent, dry, irritating cough. It doesn't come and go. Hmm. Cough you get post injection isn't trend cough. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. See, I've always thought no. trend cough was when you you know you put it in and you immediately nearly die. Like, had I not known no. what that was the first time I got it, I would have thought, "Holy shit, this is it." You know, no, it's bad. Happens when you get benzyl alcohol in your bloodstream. Hmm. Okay. Trend cough is persistent. So when you get trend cough, you've got a constant dry hack. I have had a, I've gotten that dry feeling to my throat at the mm. end of a cycle on trend. You know, you're, you're, that's, really, that's you're getting more dehydrated as it is. I know my voice gets like a lot more raspy and, you know, you just sound a lot. It's a, you're a lot rougher <laughs> just overall. Um, we, we had a question. It, uh, Rob Holloway says, uh, I don't understand the hype around trend. Well, listen, the last episode, we talked about finding a steroid to add to your TRT that was going to cause the least amount of health issues. We came up with, Dave thought, you know, like maybe like a Mast E, maybe Prima Bolin. Options like that might be good. And one of the things I had said is, you know, you're not going to get a great effect for muscle growth out of a Master on E. And Dave said, but that's you're also not going to deal with a lot of side effects either. It's a it's kind of like a one to one. The stronger the drug, the stronger the effect. There's a better chance you're going to have side effects too. You know, the old economics saying there's no such thing as a free school meal, and it's a powerful drug, man. Everything has a cost, and if you use a drug that is really effective, but appears to be relatively safe, yeah then there's something we don't know about. I would edge a bet there's something we don't know about that drug yet. And a prime example of that is DECA. So from a blood's value point of view, DECA is a really safe drug. It lowers information. It doesn't really give you abhorrent blood results. Generally, people on DECA will have quite good bloods, and it's an excellent mass builder. Yeah. Until we discovered its impact within the brain, where it lowers mm -hmm. neuropeptide Y, affects memory, has addiction problems, can cause depression, things like this. And then we get Dave. Dave loved uh, DECA and look look it. Look I it. love DECA. My, my memory it. and cognitive functions fucked. Um, it is, though. It's not as good as it used to be. It's no denying that. Well, I'm you're well very, aware of that. You're very old now, too. So There is that. I mean, seeing our dementia is definitely kicking in. <laughs> I, I sat in a puddle of my own pee yesterday and found it quite warming and pleasurable. Um <laughs> <laughs> we just found a clip to open the show with. Thank you, Dave. Trend uh, sort of wears its, its harshness on its its coat. You know what I mean? It, it's it's harsh from the get go. It's harsh when you put it in. You know, and it just never lets up. Yeah. Uh, but any drug that's powerful is gonna have a cost, and it, it's just a case of finding what that cost is to fully understand that drug. Yeah. Um. I mean, a couple of things, pointers with Trend is Trend will engage with the estrogen receptor and as a result, makes you more sensitive to estrogen. Mm. So if you would normally have estrogen levels, and I'm going to speak in English, I do apologize, of 200, which is quite high for, for even for European standards, uh, but that didn't give you gyno problems, yeah. you can guarantee pretty much if you're running Trend, those same levels will now start giving you estrogen-related sides because you are much more sensitive to estrogen because of trend of acting as an agonist on the, the estrogen receptor. Uh, it engages with a progesterone receptor, but it acts as a progestin. So effectively, it lowers the impact of progesterone in the body mm -hmm. uh, and heightens certain other aspects, which, which then means it pushes estrogen even higher as well. And that's one of the reasons we see prolactin levels with nandrolones causing problems when we don't see the same levels with testosterone causing problems yeah because it's this interaction at the progesterone receptor that alters how the prolactin interacts 
we know from the, the study the other week about the interaction with the opioid receptor and the potential of addiction. And because train is so much stronger mm-hmm. and binds so much more strongly, the potential withdrawal effect from removing train is going to be so much more greater. Mm. Um, but let's look at some antidotal stuff. So let's move away from the science and let's look at some very basic ask people questions, collect answers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I asked um, in some quick fire sort of observational stuff, I said, right, Anybody suffered from anxiety whilst on trend? About 60% of people said they did. 60, 65% of people said they suffered from anxiety while on trend. What was worrying was about 30% of everybody that used trend said they had ongoing anxiety problems after they finished using trend. Really? So the anxiety stayed. I never got that. For me, it was dose dependent. And I found that I could better control that. So I had a, I had take the first time I took it, it was not a great experience. I got through it. I, I felt like you gotta, you just gotta power through, deal with the side effects. And that's what I did. And I probably wasn't the greatest like human being to be around and stuff. I, I feel like I was shorter. I didn't get a lot of good sleep that didn't help, but I got very strong. I made some good progress. The second time I used it, I started very, very low. And I built up and I got to the point where then I started getting that anxiety. I found that if I broke it up into everyday shots, then it seems to bring that down. Um, but it, it definitely was like very dose related. And if I skipped a dose, that anxiety dropped right back out. So I guess I was a lucky one. The other thing then is anger, mm. uh, aggressive episodes. Now, how I described this was. Anyone who suffered from an aggressive episode that was particularly out of character. Mm-hmm. No, so they didn't just lose a the temper. They did something quite extreme. Mm-hmm. And we had everything from people running people off the road to smashing wing mirrors through windows to pulling keys out of ignitions. A lot of driving stuff, actually. Yeah. Throwing keys in rivers. Holy shit. All sorts of stuff. Yeah, all sorts of stuff. Somebody took the, about, Somebody went up to another person's car and took the keys out and threw it in a river? Yeah, and then somebody snapped them. Somebody passed on the equivalent of your freeways are motorways they were in the fastest lane and yeah. the person in front of them wasn't going fast enough for them so they they overtook them but they didn't overtake them on the lane to the left where they should have gone they overtook them between that lane and the barrier in the center i've done that one time i pissed that damaging, guy off damaging both damaging both cars in the process oh no i didn't damage cars, um, but i had a guy cut me off no, so- and then i went around him on the shoulder and boy, was he pissed. Boy, that he got so mad at me, he wanted to fight me. And I just, I laughed at him, and he, that made him even more angry. You're a bad man. <laughs> it was funny, yeah. I bet he was. Um, so, and that was, that was about quarter, just over a quarter of all trend users reported a very serious yeah. anger-related problem or issue or incident that they put down to the use of trend. Yeah, I wasn't on trend when that happened, uh, by the way. I mean, we can all get angry at all sorts of times. It doesn't have to be trend. But like you said, one of the things as well is trend does disrupt our sleep. It does give us night sweats. Yeah. Um, it does give us very vivid dreams, but it also gives us very disturbing dreams. It really does play with dark areas of our psyche. It stimulates areas of our psyche that are, for want of a better term, very raw, very base instinct stuff. Ooh, Matt, um, Matt one of our listeners has just chimed in and said, I had a coach who threw a 55-inch TV out of a four-story apartment window because his wife pissed him off. Dude, this is the roid rage stuff that the that the new mainstream media will tell you happens when you take steroids. This trend fits. sounds like a trend fits that bill. It does, and we say it doesn't happen, but it actually does happen. Trend yeah. does fit that bill. Um, you know, the, the but, I mean, if you're going to get something that's going to disrupt your sleep long-term, you're going to become irritable. You're going to become angry. You're going to become short-tempered because it's going to affect you in that way as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's let. I'm just going to. I'm trying to stay away from the, the the medical research on brain damage and stuff like that, and just more the the stuff that everyday people can relate to with tread. Yeah. I mean, one of the other big issues with tread is it shows as estrogen in most blood tests, so it's very difficult to manage your estrogen when you're on ten. Because if you test, your estrogen is going to be sky high anyway. Right. People don't realize so that, gonna, I think. No, if you're going to use an aromatizing compound with trend, set your estrogen management on your aromatizing compound first. 
then have the training afterwards. Okay. So let's give people it, something. It's an to, incredibly powerful drug. Let's give people something to take away from this. You know, we, we're, we're never going to say you should go out and you should try steroids, period. You know, if you were to use Tren, what would be a, a, a smart way to approach dosing it? Harm reduction. Lower. Lower is always better when it comes to trends. Start low. Is there Feel such a thing as too low? Not really. I've seen people actually have reasonable results as low as 50, 50 milligrams. There was a reason parabolin was dosed so low. 50 a week? Yeah, 50 a week. I mean, I know guys back in the 80s were running parabolin at 78 milligrams a week and getting excellent results off it. Okay. It's definitely a drug that needs to be respected. And... and Someone said, actually, just in the podcast, they said, why is it so popular? If it's such a badass, why is it so popular? And I think, and people aren't going to like this, and you know what? Fuck you. I don't care. When's that stopped you before? Why is Trent... True. When is, why is Trent so popular? Because the vast majority of you fuckers are lazy asses. Mm. And Trent fills all the holes with shitty diet. It helps you stay lean, even though you're eating shit. It helps you grow even though your training's half-assed. Mm-hmm. That's why Tread is so popular, because it makes average people into better bodybuilders. Mm. Um, and it, it's that drug's ability to whitewash over the cracks in what you do that makes it popular, because mm. it means I can get away with having burgers at the weekend and having a beer, and yeah, I did a bit of training, but it was a bit shit. But I'm on trend, so I'll still fucking grow. Yeah. That's yeah. why it's so popular, because it lets us get away with substandard shit. Now, guys, imagine if you were to do everything right, 110%, put your heart into it. Listen, you, you only have this one opportunity to grow your physique. You know, I don't care how old you are, now is your chance. Imagine if you did everything right and then you went to the trend. That's where you see the the difference maker. I have a guy that I'm working with. He's having a hard time even getting all his cardio in. He hasn't even followed his diet. And he's asking me, like, he's watching the podcast. He's probably watching this one now. And he's he's not even on diet, really. And uh, he's wanting to know what steroids to take. Imagine if you were to get everything 100% right and then you, you moved on. I want everybody that's just listened to that clip to rewind it to the beginning of Scott speaking and then play the eight mile soundtrack in the background. Why? Because if you had one opportunity, one chance. You know, I live by eight mile. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, actually, I live by five mile. Uh, that's the closest mile road to me. So couldn't, couldn't you afford the other three? Well, if you, I never watched the movie, but from the understanding I have of it, and this is the way it is in real life. If you're, as you go up, it's, you know, five miles, six miles, seven mile, eight mile. All right. Okay. And nine mile on up to 20 something mile. I don't know what it's like after 10, 12, 14 miles, about as far north as I go, but it's above eight mile. That's the good area over there. So I'm, I'm in five mile for what that's worth to you, Dave. I'm also uh, watch. West side. Watched. If anyone who's watched Eight Mile will understand what I'm saying. It's yeah. the end of it. I mean, then the, the, yeah, the Marshall Mathers song where he says, "You get one chance, one opportunity. Would you take it?" And all this stuff. Yeah. And that just sounded like the speech you were starting. Then you get one chance, one opportunity to grow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I knew that how to rap, I'd rap that song right now, or I'd make up a rap about you taking trend. You white. You can't rap. You white. Simple as. We yeah. can't rap. We can't dance. We can't jump. I'm not gonna even try. All right, let's move on because we have uh, a boatload of listener questions, Dave. We have so many listener questions. We're going to have to rapid fire these things. Hey, what's up, guys? Scott here. I'm going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll get right back to the programming. If you're listening to this on iTunes, do us a favor. Leave us a good five-star review. That'll help other people to find our shows. Thank you for that. All right, so I'm going to shout out the joint supplements that they have available over at truenutrition.com today. And uh, listen, if you guys didn't know, I mean, most of you probably do, I had a partial tear in my shoulder recently, and it was quite a scare because I thought I wasn't going to be able to continue lifting the way that I enjoy lifting. I don't want that to end, and thankfully, I'm not going to need surgery, but I am going to need to take care of my joints, and this was a wake-up call for me. So I talked to Dante Trudell. It turns out there's only two supplements that will actually rebuild connective tissue. 
So the first one is hydrolyzed beef collagen, and they offer this through True Nutrition. It's not cheap. We're talking like $25.99 a pound. But listen, each scoop, you get 29 grams of high-quality, high-digesting protein, plus you're rebuilding your connective tissue. So you're using this as a supplement, and you're using this as food, so you can replace some of the protein powder you would have been drinking to offset the cost. I got the unflavored version, and basically there's no taste to this stuff. There's maybe a tiny, tiny aftertaste, but there's basically no taste. And what you can do is you could just mix in some crystal light or mix it with you know, an intra-workout that you're using. You could use it at any point of the day. I've been mostly using it either as an intra-workout or I've been mixing it with my pre-workout. I had a little bit of crystal light and I am good to go. The second supplement that I'm using is a product called J-Flex from True Nutrition. And the most important part of this is a supplement called UC2. That's undenatured type 2 cartilage. So with the beef collagen, you get type 1 and type 3. This provides type 2. So these things combined will give you the best chance of restoring connective tissue and keeping your connective tissue strong. Along with that, it also contains glucosamine, chondroitin, MSM, SAMe, you know, things that you would expect to find in a regular joint product. And you get boswala extract and curcumin, both of which are great for inflammation. So if you want to take care of your joints, check this stuff out. And you can use our code ADVICES. That'll get you a little bit of additional savings. And of course, that goes directly to help support our programming. I want to keep lifting the way I want to lift as long as possible. Um, okay. Let's see. What do we got here? And that was very good, Dave. Uh, we also got a comment here. Uh, I want to put it back up. He says, uh, that T-shirt ready yet? Cheerio. I want to throw that one in there first. Um, oh, what was the name? Of your personal favorite nosebleed oral that you uh, that you you told us about on on that previous episode two weeks ago, Sinastron. What is that? Do you know how to spell that, Ethan? No, <laughs> I believe it was S Y N A S T R O N, and I believe it's some form derivative blend of oxymethylone. Hmm. I was told it was Dutch. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. I've never come across anyone else that's ever even heard of it. Weird. I only had it the one time. Never seen it since, but Jesus Christ, that stuff was like Rocket View. No kidding. All right. People are going to be looking for that one. Um, How is Primo for strength? And uh, can you go over the difference between NPP and DECA? Oh, Primo for strength is pretty shit. To be fair, um, you know, if you're looking for a strength drug, you definitely don't want to be looking at Primo. Um, it's mild in every action. Uh, Primo's probably the choice of person to use Primo would be someone who was relatively lean, relatively athletic. Um, that's where you'll really see its effects um, show. If you're a bit of a chubby shite like me, then you're not really... I mean, it will still have an impact, but you're not really going to see much of it. You're definitely not going to see big strength gains off being Primo. Uh, Decra and MPP, it's just a slow and fast acting of the same drug, effectively. It's just different esters. So, uh, nandrolone um, propanate, fellow propanate, sorry, or um, nandrolone decanate, which is the, the, the ester element of it. So, we refer to Decra by the ester name, not by the compound name. It's one of the few drugs, in fact, I think it's the only drug we do that with, because everything else we refer to it as the compound name. So we go test SIP. Yeah. We don't go SIP. Yeah. Well, you know, we do say SIP, actually, don't we? We do refer to test as just SIP sometimes. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, we don't say NAN. What are you taking? I'm on a 800 milligrams NAN. No. We say Decker. Yeah, it's, it's a bit odd that way. I don't know why it's called. Probably because that was the brand name, the branding as well, and the same yeah. way as... Not so much now, but go about fifteen years and oxymethylone, they were they were nap fifties. Mm, yeah. Everybody knew it was Napalm. Nobody knew it was anything else because that was the farmer brand that everybody had. You ever see Napa Sim D ball? Yes, a long time ago. That was the first D ball I ever took. Fifteen milligrams a week for four weeks and I gained like twenty something pounds. That was the whole cycle. And you've been abusing them ever since. Yep. Never came you've, off. I'm still on that four-week cycle. That four-week cycle of 15 milligram of Yeah. 
Okay, uh, what about injectable, the methyltren? Methylated trembolone. Because traditionally, M-Tren was oral. Uh, and, and then more recently, even, well, say more recently, that's sort of five, ten years, it's been more commonly found as an injectable. Yeah. Uh, rocket fuel. Dude, but that's some again, scary stuff. It's harsh. I mean, I, I'm sure the androgenic on m something insane, like 16,000 or something like that. Which is why it's dosed in micrograms and not dosed in milligrams. Yeah. You know, you you know, a, a, a big dose of M-Trends, two milligrams. But as a, an instantaneous strength drug, very yeah. effective. Not something you want to be repeating on a regular basis or so. I'll tell you what, I work with clients that, and this is something I probably should have said when we talked about trend in general. You know, I work with clients, some of them are at a more advanced bodybuilding level meaning guys that are competing at the national level, you know, even guys that have won their pro card. And the way we use trend is still very, very minimal. Like I'm, th- I'm thinking of one guy in particular, he's using it for his off season right now, and he's running test and EQ. We just started that up. He's going to be running that for about six weeks, and we're building his strength, and we're building up. And as we go, we're going to eventually add in like 50 milligrams of trend every other day. And that's going to be it. And this guy's going to be gaining. He competed at, I think, 190 something this past year. He competed at 170 something the year before. And now we're up to 240 is is, is he's he's this year. We're, we're pushing. He's going to probably put on at least another 10 pounds of stage weight. We've been doing that every year now. And that's all he's using is. 50 milligrams of trend. And I think that methyl trend, we don't have any place in our program for it. Like we don't need it. And I feel like if he no. doesn't need it, then anybody else with their bodybuilding goals, I mean, really you got a question. I know some people like it, like say Jordan Peters will use a really harsh fast acting oral to boost through strength barriers and stuff like that. But you know, I, I, I don't know, man, I, I'd be hard pressed to think that most people who are in bodybuilding need methyl trend. It's more. I would. I would have said it's more a powerlifting drug than a than a bodybuilding drug, without doubt. Yeah. Um, Jordan. Jordan's a bit of a conflict in the sense that he focuses so much on power, which as a bodybuilder isn't really your primary goal. Your primary goal is to sculpt the physique, and it's not always size. Mm-hmm. It's it's size, but with balance and proportion. And I think that's where Jordan sort of got a little bit lost. Um, but um, you know. There's no award for being the biggest bencher on stage. Yeah. The award is for the most balanced, muscular, lean, conditioned physique. And, and, and that's what, as bodybuilders, you need to appreciate that there's nothing wrong with wanting to be big and strong with it. And if that gives you pleasure, that's fine. Crack on. Yeah. But it isn't the primary goal as a bodybuilder. So it, it's a case of, you know, what are you trying to achieve and what do you enjoy? And then if the two match brilliantly, if they don't, you're going to have to make some hard decisions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, there's certain drugs that I, I don't particularly see much need for. I mean, the problem is the trend as well. As soon as you start upping the dose, it starts affecting your stomach. Mm. It starts to affect your stomach and your appetite, your ability to consume food. Well, then what's the point? Yeah, if you can't eat. Because you can't eat, you can't grow. Yeah. So any size you are going to put on is probably not going to maintain anyway because you haven't got the calories in there to back it up. Yeah. All right. We've got one here about injectable L-carnitine. Uh, can you take it subcutaneously? Yeah, I believe so. I don't know if I don't think there's much in it. Um, I've only ever done it IM or IV, so um, I've not tried sub Q to be quite honest with you. So I, I I can't give you any real world experience. I think I found when I did it IV, I had a marked improvement in energy levels almost well within hours. Yeah, that's just scary to think of. I I would not suggest any of our listeners to start practicing that. You know what I mean? I'm lucky. Uh, I mean, I, my wife's a phlebotomist. She's trained to do these sort of things. So I'm lucky that I've got a medical professional in my home that can administer in these formats. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, last time, I mean, obviously I've been a bit yo-yo dieting this year with various things. But uh, when I was a bit more switched on with it, um, I was starting to lag a little bit and suffer with a bit of low energy. It wasn't really reflecting the fat loss. It was like, why am I so tired all the time when I'm not really dro- I'm not that lean? As soon as I dropped in the old carnie, energy levels went through the roof. Hmm. So it was obviously 
there was deficiency in the actual my ability to 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 burn fat as an energy source. We did have our listener last week who asked us about uh, the sub Q L carnitine injections. Remember that, and that they were getting mm-hmm. lumps. I know that from what I've heard, it's a painful shot for a lot of people to do it IM. Uh, so I could imagine when you do something sub Q, it could be even more painful. See, I never found it painful, but no, I mean, each to their own. No, I never found it painful at all. Okay, huh? All right. I found I I am relatively painless to be honest. Nice. All right. Um, let's see here. So we got another one. Um, oh yeah. So I hadn't heard about this. Um, just had a question for the next episode of possible. There's a rumor going around some AAS boards that some DHT compounds like Masteron and Primo might have an effect on the effectiveness of HGH and reduce IGF conversion. Is there any truth to this? Um, and can certain compounds affect HGH and IGF numbers? I've never heard that personally, Dave. I haven't, but I would question who cares. Elaborate. I think it's about as irrelevant as the fact that ADEX lowers IGF-1. Mm, okay, yeah. Or Novadex, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't... Uh, sorry, Novadex. I meant Novadex. My apologies. Sorry. Um, yeah. I just don't think it's relevant because a GH doesn't have such a driven action in muscle growth anyway um you know we've discussed this ultimate and ultimate times and and people still seem to be the of this belief that growth the growth hormone is going to create muscular growth and it as a primary action and i I don't believe it does i believe it's a secondary action through improved recovery Mm. uh through improved sleep but not through growth hormones interaction with the cell or elevating igf1 if you want to create growth for IGF-1, the only way to do that is very high dose IGF-1. Yeah. In Crolix. But you are spending thousands. Yeah. To get the doses high enough. Um, and, and when people start saying, well, Jordan Peters, prime example, we keep going back to Jordan, but Jordan's done just about every drug on the bloody planet. So the, he's a useful, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, I mean, because Jordan has openly use this drug and that drug and the other drug it eats. Now, he had a protocol of running IGF-1 quite low. I think it was 25 micrograms or something like that. Okay. But when you look at the medical dosing in a child to encourage and support underdevelopment in muscle tissue, mm-hmm. they're in the milligrams a day. Wow. Twice a day. So if that's required in a child who has a predisposition to grow anyway now granted they've got medical conditions as preventing that i.e naturally low igf1 but it needs to be in those doses to replicate that then it's going to need to be in my head in those doses to stimulate growth in a fully grown adult Mm. so i just don't the, the thing is when you look at these drugs that are supposed to promote unregulated muscle growth they do if you've got the money and most people just don't have the money to be spending hundreds and thousands of pounds or dollars on drugs on a weekly basis now incrolex that's just like straight igf that's not like igf lr3 so that's no, no straight IGF. So that's instantaneous. Yeah, that's instantaneous mm-hmm. versus the LR three is designed to like stick around and and last long. But when 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 a human being goes through treatment for low IGF mm-hmm. in in as a child, so basically it's discovered that you know this child's not producing enough IGF, right? Um, so that they're, they're failing to develop muscularly. Yeah, they need milligrams twice a day i follow what you're saying i do so if they're needing milligrams twice a day to create growth what's 30 micrograms what's 30 micrograms going to do in a fully formed adult yeah i can see it making you feel fuller Mm -hmm. insulin like yeah i just don't see making you grow i'm scared of it man just nowhere near I'm scared of it anymore. I really am. Um, just at everything that well, I've heard, there's potential issues, risks with basically IGF going unchecked that it, with growth hormone and through that natural conversion that 
you as the way I hear Dr. Serrano put it, you, there's a series of checks and balances basically through the growth hormone. This is obviously, I'm not a doctor, but from what I understand, straight IGF doesn't have those checks and balances. No. And obviously, if you've got something like cancerous cells or something like that, the right. impact on something like that is, is astronomical. Uh, I mean, you'll go from dormant to fatal in a very short period of time. Well, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, too, as well as what it sounds like Serrano was saying, Dr. Rhonda Patrick really believes that long-term use of IGF could cause cancer. That, that you know, basically with that system of checks and balances that over time, uh, you so what normally would happen is that cells mutate in our bodies all the time, and that mm -hmm. a healthy human being will kill those cells off. Whereas being mm -hmm. able to feed them IGF may override that and continue growing mm -hmm. a mutated cell. A mutated cell is cancer. So yeah, you're giving the bad cells power and energy. You're supercharging the bad cells. Yeah, and and, and listen Which, too. Like I'm not 100% sure on all this, right? This is this this the study. There's there's people who have belief. I'm sure you could find people that would tell you that that's not true. But I know a guy who has stage 4 cancer right now. He's not that he's my age and I know that IGF was something he loved using. So I'm I'm not saying that that's the one to one, but I will tell you this. I'm sure that did not help, you know. But you don't want to be the one that discovers it is, do you? Right, right. It's and, and that's the same thing with a lot of stuff, man. You know, when we talk to people and that they're like, "No, you don't need to do this or you don't need to take an AI. You don't need to phlebotomize." You know, all that stuff, you're foolish. We've had people who are like, "You're stupid if you think that you need to do therapeutic phlebotomy." We've disproved that. You know, okay, Okay, you know, do you really want to put your life on the risk, you know, to put your, you know, your money behind something so strongly? There's, you know, I go back to that. There's no black and whites, but I want to be conservative with no, stuff, too. I did, I did guy three, four weeks ago had a heart attack, basically down to the fact that his blood was too thick. That was what was behind it all. Hmm. So there's a there's a real life example of someone who did need to get his blood thickness under control. Maybe he didn't need to phlebotomize. Maybe he just needed time off. But he needed to lower his levels one way or another. Yeah. Um. I'll carry on here. Injectable uh, injectable anadrol in D ball, uh, useful addition to a cycle uh, around four mm. weeks in. In your opinion. Time-wise, I wouldn't say it particularly has to be four weeks in. I don't understand why four weeks in is, is even mentioned. It seems no significance to me. But I like, I yeah, I do. I like injectable oxy and injectable orals because you lose that first pass. Um, it's not completely uh, liver-friendly, but yeah. um, they're definitely a way to get some of the benefits and lose some of the withdrawals from oral consumption. And they're stronger. Uh, they're stronger, too. They are strong. Uh, and I mean, I've always been a fan of oxys. Um, for 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 what it is, um, I find it one hell of a compound um, if used in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I find it very versatile actually, and people people don't seem to understand that, but I do find it actually quite a versatile. Pro uh, um, We've talked about compound. that before because you were saying mm. you know it can be really beneficial in in a diet phase. Mm. Mm. Very much so. Yeah, I've used just injectable D-ball. I actually used a blend of injectable D-ball with T&E. That was also kind of cool for, for as a pre-workout type boost. I just, you know, the only thing I don't like is the the, the repetition of daily shots. Like, like we said earlier on about no free school meals, everything has a mm. cost. And one of the costs in regard to injectable orals is it's a, it's a very frequent shot. It's at least daily, if not sometimes bi-daily, mm. uh, depending on how you're dosing your protocols. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, there are ups and downs to everything you do. But uh, definitely a useful little way to administer an oral, uh, particularly if you struggle particularly bad with stomach inflammation from orals. I was taking an oral in the morning like 25 D ball, something like that. And then uh, 25 injectable before I trained. Okay. And how was that? Yeah, I got big. I mean, I went, that's the year I moved up a weight class, but I was also eating a ton training a lot, you know? Yeah. One of the problems with us as, as, as athletes or whatever you want to call us 
is we're actually not very scientific, so it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult to pinpoint what caused the changes because usually we've changed about five different things. Right, right. <laughs> was it that? Was it the peptides? Was it the you know, <clears throat> the food? Was it the fact to increase food by 2,000 calories? Right, right, right. <laughs> I will tell you this, that out of everybody I'm working with, nobody is currently using anything in an injectable oral period. You know, it's not uh, definitely not necessary, that's for sure. Look, you you can develop a very impressive, very good physique of some very limited compounds. Absolutely, yeah. You don't need people do overcomplicate this shit, and you don't need it. The we've said this time and time again, and I'm going to say it again and again, and I will keep saying it. The area that we need to invest in is learning how to fucking train, and it's the area we don't invest in. We invest time and money in researching diet and in researching drugs and in purchasing the right food and in purchasing the right drugs and in supplementation. But what we very rarely do is invest money in training. Take every opportunity you can to train with every person of note mm-hmm. who offers you any form of one-to-one training that you can and broaden your repertoire of skills and tools that you can use to transform your physique. And so if you aren't paying me. attention to for food, pay attention to that because you got to get to keep that in mind, Dave. Not everybody's been paying attention to food, you know. No, but my point is that's the one area that, that is most neglected. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I, and I think if your training, say your training was a hundred percent right, you stimulate a hundred percent muscle growth every time you train. You got the max amount of your training, even if your diet was KFC and McDonald's, you'd grow. You might not be healthy, mm-hmm. but you'd grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the primary mover for growth is that stimulation of the muscle. And that's the bit that everybody seems to overlook. Everybody trains hard. Everybody knows how to train. And yeah. yet most people don't. Take the time. Try and train with you know different styles of training. So, so train with a, 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 a good example of dc or or ben palowski or or you know the dorian yates style training or people that have different versions and, mm-hmm. and the more experience you have within all that then the more of a toolbox you have to dip into to create what works right for you i couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more yeah, everybody thinks that they like training is that they've got that nailed uh but yeah yeah you're you're right man all right what's the next one here um uh, does Dave have any thoughts on the potency of uh, fluorinated modafinil, also known as uh, FL modafinil, um, that some of the research companies are making? I, I don't either. From what I understand, FL modafinil does um, convert to modafinil in your system, but I'm pretty sure that there is some liver toxicity involved there, too. Uh, I know some people are using modafinil every day. If if you used it like me, I might take it three times a year, possibly. And that's because like I literally couldn't sleep or whatever. I got three hours of sleep the rare day and I still need to get a bunch of shit done. Or, you know, like I took it when I came back from the Olympia last year because we made the mistake of traveling on Sunday after the Olympia, Dave. So we went out. We were out, of course, for like three days straight every night out for at, out to like big dinners and stuff that would, would have been like three o'clock in the morning, Detroit time, not getting home till four or five in the morning, Detroit time. Uh, we went to the Olympia. Then we were out until uh, 3 a.m. And then we had to get up at 430 for our flight. So when I got home, I had a full night's work to do. We had a we had a long flight and then I took some modafinil and I powered through. I'll take it like that often. If it has some liver toxicity to it, FL modafinil, I'd say if you take it that often, you're fine. But I do know people that are taking it every day, and then I would question it. So I'd look into the liver liver toxicity a little more maybe. Uh, I've, I've heard that long-term use becomes negative, and, and it's actually quite habit-forming. I don't know how. I'd, I've never used it, and I haven't really spoke at length with anybody that has. So, uh, But I've heard a few people say that they had – problems with it because really? they became very dependent, very dependent on it i could see that man i could it's different uh, than like adderall you know mm. it's very different but i could definitely see that okay we've got one more here um 
if a person brewed their own stuff, how long could a person that never comes off test stay on Primo E? Um, said person also never comes off GH anti-aging dose with intermittent blasts here and there. What's brewing got to do with it? I don't, I don't know. Um, so what they're saying is how long can someone stay up? Yeah. I wonder if this is the guy who was in your basement. It's dose and duration dependent, isn't it? I mean, if if you, I mean, TRT patients stay on indefinitely because they're on TRT, they're replacing the natural levels. It was as soon as you start going out of or above and beyond the natural order of things, then you start creating more management issues and more potential health risks. Yeah. Um, it's impossible to give somebody a time scale of how long they can stay on for and at what dose they can stay on for because everybody's very individual when it comes to that. Yeah, that's true. Um, I spoke to somebody this morning who was on not a huge dose. I think they were on 400 milligram a test. Mm-hmm. And in Enmol, they were coming back about 150 Enmol, right? They've dropped down to 200 milligram a test. They've been down five weeks, and they're still sitting at 135 Enmol. So hmm. their test levels haven't dropped. Yeah. Well, you would you would naturally say, well, they should be down sub 100 by now. Yeah. So that that technically shouldn't have happened. I, I, how has it happened? Why is it still so elevated? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe there's you know maybe there's dosing issues with the drugs. I don't know, but so there are things that happen with people that are, can be quite different. So there isn't um, one answer fits all with that. If you're going to run steroids long term, then the simple basic rule is: the higher the dose, the shorter you, the less time you're going to get away with it before you start having problems. Yeah, yeah. The lower the dose, generally, the longer you'll get away with it until you start having problems. But also, that is compound dependent. I mean, there's a big difference between running Primo and running Tread. Yeah. Um, but the only way you're going to know is by keeping health checks. And that's not just bloods. That's also blood pressure, ECGs, those sort of things as well. So you have a good, clear picture of what's going on in your body. Mm-hmm. The, the higher the dose is on a weekly basis, the more important those health checks become. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you're running seventy five mega test a week and fifty mega primo a week, then you're not going to be in a desperate need to, to be health checking regularly. But if you're running three hundred mega test a week and four hundred mega primo a week, and believe me, some people actually do, then you know the longer that goes on for, the more testing you're going to require because the more crucial it's going to become in, in monitoring your health. And things can go south very very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You gotta stay stay aware, stay tested. I think that's all we've got, Dave. Um Okay, my friend. Yeah, let's see. I'm just kinda looking here to see uh oh, uh wait, I've heard a lot about different esters to do better for certain body types. What's Dave's take on this? Uh do you believe that fast acting esters make it easier to burn fat? As I've been told by a lot of people. I've anecdotally seen things that would support that. Yeah. I'm not, I can't give you a rock solid scientific explanation as to why it would be, but I suspect that there is something in the rate of estrogen conversion. Um, and the, the way that peaks and troughs are, um, affecting the body that, that uh, would play into that. Um, but uh, I can't give you a straight scientific explanation because I don't know, but I have seen anecdotally people would appear on the face of it to to do better in fat loss with fast-acting versions of the compounds rather than slow-acting versions of the compounds. Yeah, I will say that uh, everybody that I work with, they, we use long-acting compounds and that it hasn't been any trouble getting them into shape. It's been a matter of making sure that you control the estrogen, you know, and, and, and that you can, you can get I, into I shape just fine. Oh, I think you can get into shape on fucking Decker and Sust and d you know what I mean? <laughs> sure, I don't, I, sure. I don't, I don't think there's an issue in that you can't get into shape with long-acting esters. Right, no. But... It, it, it does seem to be something when using fast-acting esters that seem to just help to a small extent, but there's definitely no need for it. Here's a thought. So here's a thought. So say you use Test Probe versus Sustanon. 
pest probe mm-hmm. is not going to build up in your system. So yes, you're not going to get as much of an estrogen buildup, but you also won't be as sensitive to things like mineral retention. The chance of holding fluid is going to be lower. I think that that for more than just the estrogen reasons, maybe you're going to stay drier, tighter because your levels really aren't going to be quite as high unless you doubled up on your doses to get the same amount of milligrams, you know? Um, mm. I mean, that's just a thought it there. Is, I, I think generally as well, when people use fast acting compounds, they tend to use less. Yeah. 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 Because it was harder. Dose intensive. Yeah. Well, it's more painful as well. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, if you're, if you're using 500 mega test and you then trying to put five, an active 500 mega test, which will obviously compound over time to quite a high level of testosterone in your system because you're on a long ester, you try and replicate that with fast acting esters, you're injecting some pretty hefty wax. Yeah, 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 you would that's be. That's, that's, that's going to be potentially quite painful from an injection site alone. But yeah, I think there's, there's something in the fact that generally people on fast acting esters use less, mm-hmm. which would point to the fact that you probably don't need anywhere as much gear as you think you do to die on. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that is it. Dave, uh, as always, man, I uh, appreciate your time. Um, we're going to get on that T-shirt uh, pretty soon here. Did you like, did you notice that I took a freeze frame from the video of you making that um, happy, uh, you were having a good time making that fun face, and then I used that for our screen um, for a thumbnail? That's, that's my answer to that. I can't see you because you're off screen. See that? Peace, Dave. Go on, Tin Tin. Book it off. All right, guys, for another episode <laughs> of Drugs and Stuff, I'm Scott Tin Tin McNally here with David Stanley Crossland. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. Do us a favor, give us a like if you've enjoyed the show. And uh, hit the subscribe button so you can see more of Jolly Old Dave. Dave, chip, chip, cheerio, my friend. Chip, chip, cheerio.